Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Innate. We hear it from our podcast guests frequently. Today's capital projects require the highest degree of visibility. That's why we at the Project Chatter podcast want to tell you about construction project management software from Innate. It's software that integrates every aspect of your project and puts you in control. Innate's cloud-based solutions provide a connected data flow that improves efficiency and guides better outcomes across the entire project lifecycle. See what Innate software can do for your next construction project. Learn more at innate.com. That's I-N-E-I-G-H-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction, project management, or project controls. At Plan Academy, you learn construction, planning, and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Get $75 off any Plan Academy course by visiting planacademy.com forward slash chatter that's planacademy.com forward slash c-h-a-t-t-e-r hey everyone this episode is brought to you by justdo.com justdo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at project chatter i agree val i like to keep things simple and justdo is perfect for that but i do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well and one of my favorites is the task specific chat Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait for Monday. Check out justdo.com. Now on with the pod. Hello, project people. We're back. You're listening to the Project Chatter podcast, your trusted source of project experts. I'm your host, Val Matthews, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dale Fung. Hello, Val. What an exciting hey, episode we have. How are you doing? Early in the morning where you are? It's always early in the morning, but <laughs> I can do it. For someone like this, I can do it. Um, just a reminder before we get into it and for our listeners to hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you listen to your good podcasts on. And don't forget our YouTube channel, which is live for the full podcast and bonus guest Q&A. Uh, and if you'd like to sponsor us as well, don't forget, uh, check us out, projectchatterpodcast.com. In this pod, we're joined by Andrew Wickland to talk about a personal story on Pert Master's history and the dealings with health challenges Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. No, no, it's our pleasure. Um, we look forward to getting into the thick of it. But before we do, here is Dale with your bio. Oh. Thank you, Vel. So, Andrew Wickland is the owner of PRC Software with offices in the USA, India, and Canada. Andrew has a Master's of Science in Technical Project Management from the University of Houston, Texas in the US of A. He created the PRC Cloud for project and risk management. Andrew spent most of his career consulting, conducting risk workshops, project controls, and training for Fortune 500 clients in construction, <laughs> oil and gas, aerospace, defense, IT, pharmaceutical, and the list goes on and on and on. He's active with charities, and we'd love to talk about those because we have charities of our own, Andrew, for the homeless population in the USA, building infrastructure in West Africa, and children's bone cancer research. Wow, that is amazing, Andrew, as Val says. Thank you for joining us. What a pleasure and privilege to have you on the show. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks again. No, we, we truly appreciate you spending some of your time with us, giving up a bit of your time on your Friday, uh, sorry, your Thursday, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're still on Thursday in this time zone, but. Yeah, Val's, Val's on Friday. He's almost on weekend mode, but uh, yeah, thanks again for giving up your time. So um, you got a very succinct bio that you sent through there, but I wonder if you could elaborate and give us your origin story. How sort of did you fall into sort of the project space? Did you did you start off there? How did it work out for you? Yeah, I didn't realize you were going to have to read that out loud, or I would have sent a shorter one. But uh, I actually uh, so did I fall into this? I guess 
you know what uh in terms of doing the risk management stuff in general and the pert master guys i kind of did just fall into it when i got out of college i was working for this uh, funeral service company doing their uh doing their uh, it security and stuff like that it was quite a quite a while back and uh you know, you get out of college and you think, oh man, life is going to be amazing. And then you get out and it's not at all. So that's kind of where I ended up in. So I went back and did my master's and Pertmaster was opening, I guess they were opening an office in the uh, in Houston at that point. So they came in and did a spiel to us at the university and then, uh, you know, they're all a bunch of, they're pretty ridiculous people in general. So hey, anybody want to come to the pub with us afterwards? And that's kind of how it went, I guess. No, that's amazing. Well, you can count this as a pub session because this is the closest we get in the pandemic to a pub session, unless you're not in Australia. And um, Val's been out and about a bit, actually, having a few pub sessions. Um, yes. I think, is it the PCG? We'll give a shout out to the Project Controls Group in Australia right. that, are, that are getting together. Um, so a bit jealous about that, but hopefully we can have some pub sessions you know, in the UK soon. And even in, in the US. So let's let's see how that goes. So great. So you find yourself at Pertmaster. And what, what were you doing there? So at this point, I, I begged myself on any job they would give me. So I, I told them I, I told them I would take a paid decrease. I mean, this was the worst negotiation ever. I told them I'll take a paid decrease, whatever you'll give me. Just get just get me away from the funeral guys. So um <laughs> So that's a, you know, I, I got, I got in there as, is I was the first one that actually supported the product in the U S. So I, I was finishing up a technical, uh, project management masters, which is, I think I, I had to do like an IT security focus cause they didn't do construction back then. Um, but yeah, I was, I was getting that and we were actually using perp master in one of the classes. Uh, and I actually ended up going back and teaching some of the, the risk management stuff at university of Houston for just a little bit, but uh, they have a, they actually have a, a really good uh, project management program uh, at the school. I, I think this school used to be called, uh, well, it's got some nicknames. It's not the most prestigious. So uh, that, they sometimes call it the high school on the highway or Cougar High. But uh, Cougar High. Yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, it, out of context, it doesn't sound prestigious, but it is. Don't worry. Hey, you know what? I mean, I, I didn't go to prestigious university, but after a few um, years, they changed it to make it sound prestigious. My, mine was the University of Port Elizabeth, and now it's called the Nelson Mandela University. So it's got a really oh, big wow. name behind it. Oh, so, that's fantastic. Exactly. So it, it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, I think there's a lot of really famous and really well-to-do people that didn't go to university at all. So it doesn't really count that much in the end, I think. You know, it, it is, it's funny. I mean, and they at their program, if anybody is, uh, well, I'm sure somebody's listening to it since we're talking, but it is, it is a really good uh, project management degree that they have there. It's a, it's kind of a hidden gem there because a lot of people do MBAs, but it's a, you know, they go through planning and scheduling and all sorts of stuff. It's a really good degree. So well, we love hidden gems, and I think you are a hidden gem as well because um, you know we've been recommended by, from a few different people to have you on. So we, we are glad to have you. So Pert Master, you were there. So let's take. We don't want to delve into too much. We don't want to spend too much time around um, Pert Master, but you were involved. Uh, you were involved in the, the the sales of it across. Is that right? Uh I mean, I went from support to, I guess, to consulting, to training. I mean, I did everything there. That was, that was the thing. It was a small business, right? I mean, in the UK, it was more established, but you, you, maybe there was a couple of salespeople and they hired maybe three people when I got there. Maybe there's six, seven people, seven people total in the US. So it was, it was quite small. I mean, it, it ramped up very quickly. Mm. And what was the traction? Was was there not much competition around for it? Was it first of its class? Well, so in terms of oh, Pertmaster being the first of its class yeah. in terms of Monte Carlo. I mean, there yeah. was an old there was an old Monte Carlo people the tool people were still using uh, with uh, the original P three. Uh, and there's there were some other tools out there. I think it's the I mean the kind of I guess the first thing they did because it used to be a scheduling tool is what Pertmaster was. All right, and they just took they took the scheduling tool and then basically, you know, put a simulation engine on top of it. So that's why, I mean, if it feels a lot like a scheduling tool, it's because it was a scheduling tool. So they just put a simulation engine on it. I mean, it's, it's one of the better scheduling tools out there. It's still a really good, it's a really good tool. I, I guess my understanding is Oracle's not going to support it or something, but I know people, a lot of people still use it. So. Yeah. I think 
you know, you speak to anyone that's been around in projects for a while and they know Pert Master. So um, it's a shame if they're not going to support it going forward. But let's watch the space. So, okay, so you had Pert Master. Um, you know, uh, fast forward a little bit. And so where'd you go from Pert Master? So I guess I, I, I stayed with those guys for about a year. Um, I know, you know, when they when somebody sells off their company, they have this and that they have to do over the course of a first year or two. So I, I told them I'd stay with them for a year. Um, at that point, uh, you know, so I worked at Primavera for a year. They put me into sales at that point because they, you know, just like, wait, your sales guy can't be doing the cabling. That's silly. Which, <laughs> but, you know, that's what, that's the way small businesses run. It's like, you know, you just pick up a shovel and figure it out. So uh, I went, I went and started, uh, I got a, uh, some consulting because we, I, you know, I always, and this is more of a thing for the industry in general, but when I look at the way uh, training, training budgets kind of hold people up in general, you know, we had some, mm -hmm. some areas where we were not, never going to go down in training at all. Uh, and I'd written my own training material and they, they allowed me to go off and do some training for floor is what kind of started me off. So I left, uh, you know, Primavera at that point, uh, after that one year went over and then, uh, you know, I guess my first month in, I was, I was training up a bunch of people at floor and then it kind of went from there. So, so I, I think at that point, uh, you know, there was some of the guys that I, I'm not sure if the perp master guys, if they all stayed, some of them stayed a little bit longer than me. I know Dan Patterson stayed for, for a while longer in the, uh, Houston office. I'm not sure about the rest of them over in the UK. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, you know, it's a very small world and, you know, we've had Dan on the pod before and we've, we've got him lined up for season four as well. Um, but it's such a small world. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like the nucleus of the brains all sort of, you know, congregate around each other. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Dan, Dan is a, he's, he's an interesting guy, but he's funny. He's funny as hell. So he is. He is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's great. Um, just before I, I pass on to, to Val, I just want to um, pause a little bit there. You said you were at Primavera for a little while. Um, and we did chat to Michael Lepage, who makes a living off of uh, Primavera. And he said, you know, Primavera is not the best scheduling tool. It's a bit clunky and this and that. And listeners, you can go back and listen to that episode. But um, it was interesting that he said it. And it's actually holds true. There's a lot of good other scheduling software out there. I just wonder your take mm. has Primavera P3, P6, has it changed that much and evolved over the years as much as it should, or did they just not put enough into it? I mean, I, I if you're just asking me on scheduling in general, because I mean, that, you know, that was the first thing I did when I got it to Perpasters, looked at everybody's schedule because everybody in the world sends you their <laughs> schedule. Yeah. And right out of college, I'm looking and going, I don't think the scheduling tool is the problem. I think it's the, I mean, it's the data. I was, I was pretty shocked coming out of it because there's different things you're going to do with the schedule anyway. I mean, people are creating milestone reporting type stuff or driving costs with it and doing all sorts of stuff and, and making sometimes a schedule tool do something it's, it's not meant to do. Or, I mean, I think any, any tool across the board, whether it's like I'm doing risk stuff, anybody's no matter what they're doing, I always think it's the complexity of what you're the software you're using because there's a few there's a few things in like Microsoft Project for example where I would change maybe two or three things but it's it's a scheduling tool if you know how to schedule yeah. I don't I don't know how you can screw it up I mean it, if you can put a logic chain from this activity to this activity if as long as it can do that you're you're in the right direction so I think there's some pretty good ones out there yeah, yeah, no, indeed. I mean, we always think back before any software tools, people were doing it on paper, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, those buildings just went straight up. So they were doing something, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Anyway, Val, over to you. That's, well, that's even the PERT method itself um, is quite interesting. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I started in, in the scheduling space as well, Andrew. And I remember the guys talking <laughs> about big big whiteboards and blackboards with string they would use string to connect nodes and that was you know in the defense space and i was like you didn't really do that i thought they were pulling my leg but they hey, used yeah. to do that yeah yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah so um it's for them they had the notes yeah <laughs> that's right and uh and it's funny when we go back to workshops and and we do collaboration and we you know we decompose scope we still go back to the old sticky notes and 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 rooms full of people 
and you're right it, it's it's a data quality issue and maybe uh, a complexity of logic issue rather than the software issue and uh, you know even today you find um, a lot of people are are they have a gap in that fundamental understanding and I'm, I'm just wondering from your perspective because obviously you started on the tools right and you started in the scheduling and you mentioned education before as well do you what do you think about um, schedulers today are they any better than they were in the yesteryears or is there something we should do about it oh i mean i mean there's there's so there's so many people so there's always going to be really good ones and not so good ones right yeah and that's right and if, if you've got your a team on a project i, I mean I, there's so many issues right with scheduling i mean a lot of it's i see a lot of times there's a lot of stuff in schedules that shouldn't be and you you start muddying it but i think there's at least if i was just thinking out loud i think people fool themselves into thinking that tracking 30,000 activities in a lot of cases might bring them some return on investment or some value. And yeah. I just, I just think anytime you get, you know, and they say, well, the, the simulation tool doesn't work or the, this doesn't work. No, the logic in the schedule is bad. It's too big and you can't manage it anymore. I think that's yeah. where I see a lot of the problem is, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, if you trace through the schedule sitting there and it's not what you're planning to do work-wise, then, I mean, it's, it's a lot of activities and I'm sure somebody got charged a lot of money for it, but is it, is it providing you any value? I don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you're right. I think we have worked on some of those big, big programs and they do, they have thousands and thousands of lots, tens of thousands of lines and you have to argue at some point, why bother? Um, you know, it becomes more of an administrative nightmare and it doesn't, it certainly doesn't add any more accuracy to your forecasting. Um, but before we, we jump off the, the subject of Pertmaster, I was wondering if you could share some of your kind of definitions of what Pertmaster did, because there might be some people out there listening that oh. uh, probably didn't have access to it. It's, it's kind of, a, you know, as, as you know, it's a tool that's kind of talked about uh, if you've been around long enough. But if you're new to scheduling, you've probably never heard of it. Oh, OK. So, so uh, Pertmaster was the name of the tool. It's, it's actually Primavera Risk is, uh, became the scheduling engine. So Primavera, when they, you know, they were uh you know filling in holes in their white space was they were getting some portfolio management tools and Pr primavera risk was the the risk management tool and it's a simulation engine that allows you to take a a schedule that's just sitting there like a google maps like google maps would be a schedule it's finished the start logic all it's doing is is putting variability uh or risks on top of that and then simulating it a bunch of times Mm -hmm. um one of one of the really uh interesting you know that there's a couple when people uh talk about it but there's two of them one there's a company called accuscore out there and they they're used on like our espn sports and all that they simulate sporting events and they they do it against las vegas so they think they can simulate a score better than las vegas and if they can by a fractional amount then you know they're doing a good job it's the same thing they're doing a monte carlo simulation we're simulating a schedule I mean, Doctor Strange did it in the, the Avengers movie. He was, oh, I'm calculating a million possibilities. And it's like, oh man, he's just, he busted out of Monte Carlo right in the middle of the movie. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think I appreciate that. I think for, for those that are, probably don't understand a little bit about it, that's a, a good wrap up. And I'm, I'm glad you brought in some, some, some characters in there as well. Um, before I go to Dale, I th I, the other thing I was, I was going to talk about was, was how, you know, how do you, feel about schedules now do you feel like you know you got top five things because you've obviously got you said as you said you, you've, you've you've reviewed probably hundreds of schedules that they come in is there like five things you look for in terms of a good a good looking schedule well i mean anytime i'm i'm looking at if i was going to do like a monte carlo and i was just getting a schedule for the first time i always run some test simulations on it and and isolate each one of the milestones they want to report on and see how the activities are driving across that. Because obviously if the activities or the uncertainties or whatever you put onto it, it should be driving up to those milestones. And we just incrementally fix it across the milestones. You know, I know there's like the acumen fuses and some of those schedule check stuff and we'll do that type of stuff too. But I, you know, when you're doing a simulation you really have to have very tight logic. So the main thing is, is, is going through and making sure a is it tied properly and it doesn't mean I, I think people see like there's flags that people do and they say well you can't use a negative lag or the whole system will explode 
which is not exactly true. It actually works better in some cases, but it, you know, in terms of just, if, if, if you get the work to represent or the schedule to, to represent the work being done, the rest of it is pretty easy. It's, it's really just getting a good quality schedule in my opinion. So, and I, I don't, you know, the, the, the schedulers out there, like, you know, we've even trained up some, I, like we've had really good success with pipe fitters going to, to schedulers, like people that really understand the jobs. You know, it's a, it's a tough one because on one hand, and this is not a knock on P6, but it's, it's just a really complicated tool. So you've got a guy who maybe understands P6, but has never worked in the field. So there's a disconnect where he's like, well, hey, now if they're not aggressive enough, they have to get that information out of somebody. Or I beg mm. people, just take me on a field walk. Take me on a field walk. I'm a little weenie IT guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, scheduler, project controller, we, we'll take anyone, um, you know, that's willing to uh, get involved in, in what we do. So uh, you don't have to have any formal qualifications or study. Be a pipe fitter, be, be whatever you want to come from. Join us. Is, is you know what the, those... Uh, those pipe fitters, though, the job, the inside and out, though, anybody exactly, who understands yeah. how it all comes together, then the, the rest of it's easy, you know? It, it's logic, right? It's just logic. So, yeah. no, I agree with that. Um, I just wanted to just stay with this topic for a little bit before we jump back out the rabbit hole. Um, you've been in so many different industries, involved in so many different industries and projects, etc. I wonder if um, just a little bit of what you spoke about right there, do you have sort of real life examples of, you spoke about Monte Carlo, you spoke about having solid logic. Um, obviously you have to have a, a really good, robust risk register as well to feed into that. Do you have examples where you've gone in on a project that was suffering and just applied sort of first principles and what you just spoke about and turn things around? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think anytime... Because that, that is, I mean, sometimes I think my first big sale with uh, Pert Master was to the New Orleans levees job when Hurricane Katrina came through. Oh, wow. And I mean, that's kind of late when you're talking risk management. Once you've already flooded the whole city, that's that's a little bit late. But a lot of those jobs, I mean, I, I think when you when you see something that's really in the ditch, uh, you know, if, if you've got the, the people at the top that are, are going to do what it takes to get there, uh, I mean, you, I, you see them turn around. I don't, I mean... I think there's specifically, you know, I, you can, you'll see them turn around and then normally they've made big, taken big hickeys by then. Um, but in terms of like, when you're, when you're moving along in a project where I always get frustrated is look, I'm, I'm going to be proactive. If you don't know there's bad news, you're not, you can't act on it unless you know about it. Mm -hmm. So I always want to report it. And I get, I get really frustrated with people wanting to hide information because it'll get them in trouble. That's, yeah. that's my biggest thing because if I hide it and you don't know it's coming now, it will bite you yeah. or, or whatever we're trying to do. It's normally more expensive than just saying, Hey, we've got a problem. That's, that's my, I honestly, I don't even think we'd have jobs if people didn't lie, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> That is awesome. I've never heard it put quite that way, but Val, we got to remember that one. You've heard it here oh, first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know, us project controls, planning PMO folk would not have jobs if people did not lie. <laughs> That's your take home statement from Mr. Andrew Wickland. Well, you know, it's like when you, if you, if you give somebody their incentives based on their earned value, I can guarantee their earned value is always going to be good. It's weird yeah. how that works out. I don't. Yeah. It's weird. I haven't been able to do the research on it yet, but I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah. And the thing is, we previously spoke about how KPIs and metrics drive certain behaviors. And it's so interesting. But I want to do, I want to jump out of this rabbit hole a little bit and get back onto your career timeline. Um, so you said you were training at, was it Floor that you were training at? Uh, that's where I started. That was actually my first customer. So I think I started, I must be, must have been, they must have sold about 15 years ago. So I started my company about 13, I'm guessing. Okay. okay. Uh, what it must have been. Oh, eight. Yeah. 13 years. So uh, we, so, and, and when we did it too, I think uh, Dan was doing something else, but he was, he, had, he left pretty shortly after. And we had another guy in uh, the Houston office. So they were perfectly happy. I mean, because the, you know, if the clients come back, you train them and they buy more. They're never going to complain that you're taking, you know, the go as long as you keep 
keep selling licenses for us. Go, go train on it. So exactly, exactly. So okay, so you, you started PRC then thirteen years ago, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And what made you start your own company? What did what made you jump in? Was did you just think things should be done differently, better? What was the key driver there? Well, I mean, they sold that other company, so I guess I wasn't going to keep working for them. So <laughs> I, uh, they, you know, they let me do so many different things, and I, you know, I, I was young and full of energy back then, and and but you got when you get to touch so many different parts of a business. And, I, you know, I was joking about wiring the office and everything, but I really did that because we just, you know, when you were small, that's, we just did whatever. And I, I think once you get to touch enough things, because I did training, consulting, sales, support, <laughs> office wiring, you do all of those different things. And you, there's, there's not that many things you didn't touch to run a business. Um, unfortunately, some of the stuff I didn't touch apparently is really hard. So that was, that was an issue, but um you know, you just, you, you, and you, you, you see guys like, uh, I don't know if you, you know, Sarum and Rusty and Dan, and you kind of learn and understand how to do this stuff. Because to me, I would have never thought, oh, I'll just start my own thing. Like, why, why, you know, yeah, it just would never would have come to me that I could do it. Yeah. But then you see somebody else do it and you're like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes sometimes. It's just, you know, seeing, seeing someone, you know, do it you go i can do that too so okay so what's the vision then with prc yeah i just want to make sure that i clear that up too that you you go oh that's easy it's not actually easy it's actually terrible (laughs) no but you that's just the part where you go that yeah anyway sorry go ahead no no i yeah i mean i i think the the point being is you need that kind of that that bit of spark that bit of uh, motivation up front so you can dive head first and then you go oh shit um, and then you learn probably a few good life lessons along the way. But as you say, it's like what, 13 odd years later. So obviously you're doing something right. So that's great. But my follow-up question was, what's the vision with PRC? Um, you know, what, what, what sort of have you done over the 13 years? Where's it going? Um, I wonder if you could share it with the, the listeners. Yeah. So, so what we, I started off uh, doing a, a commercial uh, or collaborative risk register. So I think there's other ones out there in the market like the active risk managers and there's some other ones out there that are pretty good uh but that was where pertmaster was all standalone quantitative number crunching tool and i i thought where there's a lot of problems is the collaboration aspect is pe- just the ball getting dropped completely or you know you've got a portfolio of projects and you've got you know who who knows across this whole portfolio what what the heck is going on i think a lot of it is now, don't get me wrong. I think there's the analytics are important as well. And it, it's, there's a time and place for everything. But I, I do think sometimes people get so excited about doing these quantitative an- analytics that sometimes maybe aren't even done particularly properly, where the answer was staring them right in the face right there. So, I, I, you know, we started with that. Uh, we have a, a cost Monte Carlo and a schedule Monte Carlo tool. The schedule Monte Carlo tool, we're just kind of actually finishing up and we're working with a uh, a couple of our clients uh, on that to, to kind of coast us out smoothly. Uh, the last thing I want to do is, hey, you know, do something really stupid and release anything too early. Or So we've got some people using it. But uh, yeah, we've, we've had really good results. Uh, and, I, you know, like I said, I, 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 for me, it's about connecting with the user base. If, if there's 100 tools out there and they all do kind of the same thing, you know, which one gets you there easiest and fastest? So get, you know. Yeah, no, that, that's fascinating. That's interesting. And I do want to jump in um, because when we caught up um, before the podcast, just to meet up, you spoke about how um, you were working yourself into the ground and you you weren't in a good space and you wondered why and all of a sudden you, you started feeling unwell. And then you actually discovered that there was something more serious to it. Um, and I know you're quite open to sharing your story because you are keen that others are aware of what to look out for and the signs, you know, so they don't suffer the same consequences you did. And I wonder if we could maybe, you know, dip a toe into the water and, and just share with some of the listeners sort of where in your career timeline this all happened and, and what it was all about. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you know, running, running a business is hard enough, especially when you self-fund it. And then uh, I guess it, it was over. I mean, I used to, 
to train real hard at the gym and I was, must have noticed around I'm, I'm 41 now. I must've been mid twenties when I started just, I start fatiguing really bad all of the time, all sorts of issues, but I would start getting uh, pain attacks in my chest, but it was, I mean, it was, it was something else. It was a different level, but I, I went into the doctors, hospitals that did everything. I mean, there must've been a seven, eight year period. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had no clue, but uh, eventually uh, it just got to the point where, I mean, I, I knew for a fact I was going to die. I was in so much pain. I was, my body was falling apart and I finally went in and I was jaundiced and I, apparently I had like 18 stones and they said they were all the size of a gallbladder in my gallbladder. And I've got some rare, uh, rare, uh, liver disease. So they have to give me a liver transplant and apparently that's awful. So yeah, it was, it was very difficult. I mean, because I think a part of what's really scary is when you don't know what it is that's attacking you and the pain was getting to the point. I didn't, I didn't realize it was liver pain. And that's why when you tell them chest, uh, I know we have a different medical system in the U S but you know, whatever, whatever I did was wrong to get to the point where I was at, but the pain would go all the way up here, but all the way into my back. So the first thing they want to do is look, uh, I'm not sure how they missed it for, but he said with that many stones at my age, though, I mean, the, you know, the last 15 years, I've just been sitting there growing these stones. So wrecked my gallbladder. And then I, I was just left in, I mean, I, I was so close to dead. It was, it was, I, I just, I don't know how I really survived it, to be honest, because I was, I was mangled at the end of it. And I remember I was doing a job for uh, one of the shell refineries out in Houston and it, when I finally admitted myself to the hospital, I just remember waking up and going straight to the laptop and I was working like my, my organs are hanging out of my body and I'm like, oh, I got to keep working. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those ones, especially since they misdiagnosed it for so long, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. And then it gets, it gets worse and worse and it starts to weigh on you mentally. And when those pain attacks come, I mean, I could be sitting out on site and it feels like my chest is collapsing and it doesn't stop, you know? So it's like, oh my God, I, I worked through it a couple of times and I'm like, that, that can't be safe. So yeah, it was, it's been a, it's been an ordeal. And even, even just getting good doctor care, you know, some of these doctors, no offense to anyone who's, well, I, you know, I guess if there's doctors out there listening that treat their patients like this, they can be offended, but I, you know, they just haven't cared uh, in terms of some of the stuff when I get sick, it, 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 it rocks me. I mean, it, it, it hurts the company. I was a single point of failure as well for a lot of stuff and being the risk guy. That's something you've learned is when you make yourself a single point of failure, it's, it's, you know, and you, you're looking at it as you doing it. The last thing you're worried about is you failing, but that's certainly what happened. So Fortunately, I was able to just kind of catch things back up, but uh, you know, I'm, pre I'm pretty traumatized by pain these days. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't, you know, once, once you get tortured with some of this stuff, uh, the only thing I want to do is not be in pain. Anything else I'm fine with. So. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, per personally, I, I moved and I'm sure the listeners are as well, because I think one thing that we've always tried to do with this podcast is bring the personal side behind a lot of what we talk about in projects and, um, you know, starting a company is difficult, let alone, you know, building that company, going through the health challenges that you have had as well. But then, as you say, you don't know how you got out of it, out of it but you did. And you've actually started and decided to do something good with it. And you're supporting a lot of charities and we'll get into those charities in a bit um, and, and talk about that. But I did want to hand to Val because he's been listening there in the background and I'm, I'm sure he's got plenty of views and thoughts that he, he'd like to throw at you as well. No, as, as usual. No, that was great uh, to share. I think, I think the more that we share our personal stories, the more people will open up with their own personal stories and, and realize that we're not all superheroes. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people who listen, a lot of people in projects actually, uh, put in heroic efforts and, and do a lot of this um, extracurricular work and and burn themselves out. But, you know, looking in hindsight, just, just on your personal story, Andrew, do you know what the attributes were that led to that? I mean, doctors can't tell you. You probably have this internal self you know, kind of intuition of 
maybe it was this and maybe i you know i did too much of that oh the um, the, the cause the, the cause is disease yeah oh, it's, a, it's autoimmune it's a it's a right. it's an autoimmune disease called psc i i think it's actually i mean it's the most common cause of liver transplants so it's it's not the rarest wow. thing in the world but you know, especially in, and that's because I couldn't identify it. And I kept looking at my chest, it was getting worse. And I used to drink a lot too. So I'm, I'm sure you have a bum liver that can't uh, regenerate and then you dump, mm. dump booze on it. That's not the smartest thing, but who knew back then? Right. Yeah. Um, so, and you're on, you're on the road to recovery now and you're healthy. You know, I'm healthy-ish. I've, I've got new doctors. I mean, I, that would be the one thing if I was going to tell anybody anything is doctors, you, at least, you know, some of the ones I've had, they'll bully over you and, and kind of tell you, you know, go down this path or do certain things when, when maybe it's not the right, the right path for you. And it's, I really had to educate myself on myself on that because, you know, you see a doctor and they're in their position of authority and you just assume they've got your best interest in mind. And I'm not saying doctors don't, but really understanding the health situation myself is where I was able to, to get in the right position to get this stuff done. So uh, yeah, fortunately they've got me meeting with a liver specialist and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's not something you want to do in life, I guess, but it'll be fine. Yeah, no, I agree. And how has it changed the way you work? Has it, has it changed? You, you mentioned being a critical point of failure and how that was not a good thing. And you recognize that. Um, have you changed the way you, you work or, or work with others? Well, I mean, the funny thing is I just got, I had moved back to, to Houston. I was going to be uh, the uh, head of program controls on this big old airport job uh, as a consultant. And then the pandemic hit. So the whole airline mm. industry fell apart and everything else. So, I mean, I've, I've only done, I've, I've been vaccinated now. So I, I, I've done one onsite thing, but, you know, especially with this autoimmune disease and COVID, I've, I've been real careful in terms of traveling. So I don't, I don't, you know, it's very hard to say what the future is going to look like. I'm, I'm pleased that I'm vaccinated. That's, that's the main thing. Uh, so. Yeah, no, brilliant. And I was just going to ask one more. So bringing it back into this Perp Master world and, and PRC in particular, um, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, maybe it was a simplified tool, but what, what are your favorite parts of, of, of what you do? in terms of delivering for customers? I mean, it, you know, I, I enjoy when, when actually people are excited about a project in general, because I do, I actually think this stuff is pretty fun. Mm. Uh, I mean, I would, probably wouldn't do it on my Saturday unless you were paying me, but I, it's still, there's some stuff that's pretty good. I think when you get on a, a job where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously there nobody's happy to be there and things like that it's it's never quite as good but when when people actually see some of the stuff that you can you can do and and, and you see them make decisions off of it, i always think it's kind of fun it's like well you're you know maybe maybe things weren't in your favor and you influence things in a good direction you know but i i don't i mean it, it at, at the end of the day this stuff i i think it's kind of entertaining i mean people people watch this stuff like documentaries on how stuff is getting built on tv mm. and all, all this stuff it's like wow you could, you're putting the pieces together how to do it it's pretty cool yeah especially if you've got a mechanical mind and you like to see how things interconnect i, I think that's what gets us all in there because as you mentioned the earlier we all fall into project controls and i think uh, there's something that keeps us there and it's it's almost like we gamify schedules and and projects and the interrelationships that you have to have in order for projects to succeed and and that's actually entertaining as well so i think you're, you're quite right there but I'll, I'll hand over dale for more questions entertainment uh, is great and anyone watching this podcast whether it's live or, or the recorded version will see that andrew has the simpsons uh lounge as he's back is it the simpsons is the simpsons yeah that is zoom had that for me up upset so i didn't steal it or anything it was it was there to be used <laughs> no awesome it's it's fantastic are they home is bart home or lisa no they don't appear to be <laughs> <laughs> who knows they're always up to something well say hello to them when you see them later andrew no fantastic it's good good bit of entertainment there as well um but i just want to ask you you spoke about you know um you love projects because they are entertaining and they're fun. What's your, can you tell us your favorite project that you've worked on and why, and perhaps your least favorite and why? Oh, 
Uh, my favorite. I mean, when I was out at Heathrow, I, man, I loved working out there with those guys. Uh, but I think it's just with the people more than anything. That was really more Primavera type uh, installation and some of that stuff. But the people, the people out at Heathrow were a were a blast. They they really cracked me up. We've, I've had, I've had some pretty fun ones. A lot of the stuff I do is really short burst. Uh, but he throws with with those guys working back and forth for about three years, so that was fun. Oh, the worst one, I, man! I I've had some bad ones, and that, I I swear they're not my fault. But I don't know. I I'm, I would get in trouble if I say anybody. But no, that's okay. We won't we won't put you on the spot like that. But it was it what 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 made it um, bad? Was it uh, just the setup, the culture, the people? I mean, you don't have to name what it was, but I, well, give us can, give us the clues. I, I can tell you I was head of risk for the high, uh, California high-speed rail for a while. And anytime a job is that political in nature, I'm not going to enjoy it. That's, that's, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different, like any, anytime, yeah, anytime politics get involved, that's too much. Is there, is there ever not politics in a project though? Oh, not like not that kind of politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what kind of politics? Come on, is it U.S. politics? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean that that job was a uh, just uh, at the time I was in it, you know, with with Donald Trump and Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, fighting and they're uh, de- demobilizing environmental protection agencies, all sorts of stuff. I was like, I was just sitting there. I'm like, oh man, I just moved my whole life here. This is not good. Mm. <laughs> Val, you've been on some um, politicized projects as well. That was. Um, the uh, broadband in Australia, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. And we touched back um, on that a little bit as well. But just revisiting that, did that bring back any memories when uh, Andrew was going through some of the political nature of projects? I'm actually the opposite. I actually think I enjoy a bit of the politics. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of House of Cards. And I, it, it, it's another form of entertainment. I just think it, it, can, get, it can get exhausting. <laughs> I think it's a, it takes more energy out of you than it gives. Uh, so I, I certainly think especially when um, there's a level of indecisiveness that goes with, with um, politics that I'm okay with, with people kind of influencing and changing and, and, and um, negotiating, let's call it. Uh, what I, I think I struggle with Andrew is when they can't decide when it just gets lopped over the fence and then it gets lopped back. And then it gets, it's like the guys, let's just make a decision. Um, and even other projects style that we've been on where it becomes a commercial discussion and you, you can't, your hands are tied. You literally just want to get the project done and you want to do a great job and you want to get along, but they, 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 they don't want it to happen that way. There, there, there has to be some type of incentive and it's generally money that gets in the way of, um, of projects working well uh, together. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's my view. So there's one then actually for you, Val. If you had to choose like um, the, the worst environment to, to be in, is it the one that's really negatively charged politically or really negatively charged commercially? I think um, it depends on the person. Um, for me, that, uh, commercially charged is a problem because commercial people aren't very good negotiators. Uh, so they can't, they don't generally settle because it's not in their interest to settle. Actually keeps, it's like lawyers. Yeah. Um, you know, they're actually paid to stay in disputes. And so it just perpetuates. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're more problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what Andrew said earlier, right? We, we have jobs yeah. because people lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that still goes around. That's a good one. <laughs> Go on, Andrew, jump in. No, 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 no. I was, I was pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get your take. What, what, what would you answer to those questions? Politics or commercially charged environments? I mean, you've worked in so many. You must have a view on this. I, I mean, I, the, you know, most of them don't bother me. I mean, the, the California one, that's different. When Donald Trump is actively tweeting about your job, that's a different, that's a different kettle of fish when it comes <laughs> to politics. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't have a problem with either. If, you, if, you'll, if you'll bring me in. Anyone listening, just bring me in. I have no problem with politics <laughs> or anything else. 
Well, I guess uh, anyone with a, you know, Simpsons uh, couch background is, you know, someone that doesn't take themselves too seriously, has a bit of fun. Um, so yeah, folks, get in touch with Andrew. Val, I want to bring you in, instead of answering some of my questions, do you have any to throw at us? Um, because... <laughs> Such good questions, Dale. Um, but I, I, I apologize to anyone in commercial to start with. <laughs> I know a few people that are probably like, what are you talking about, Val? We're friends. Uh, we are, of course we are. We're all friends. Um, and I think, you know, it was great, you know, understanding Andrew's perspective on things. And I, I particularly like his, his, you know, the idea that uh, lawyers keep us all employed. I think that's a, that's a great takeaway. Oh, yeah. Andrew. yeah. Um, but, but from your perspective, you're in the software space and the consulting space, as you mentioned. And, you know, I, I can't help on every pod. I somehow throw a future question in there. Um, what is the future of software in projects in your space and probably in others, or where would you like to see it go? That's probably a double question there, because I see a lot of people talking about machine learning and AI and what, what is, what is the future look like from your perspective? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a very difficult one, right? Because I know there's AI stuff and, and some other things, but in a lot of respects, if you look at what we we're doing planning and scheduling wise, it hasn't really changed in 40 years. So I don't, mm. I don't know. I know there's new technologies that, and there's, there's some things that you can like, I know they AI in terms of planning and scheduling and building some of those things. I don't, you know, taking, taking people out of the equation completely isn't probably going to happen because you've got your subject matter experts. I think whatever they yeah. do, I, I think no matter what you do, it's just making it a lot, because I don't think there's anything difficult about scheduling at all, I, in my opinion. I think you can teach almost anybody to do it in a couple hours. I think it's just getting it to where it's more intuitive for people then to, to put these logic networks together. Uh, I don't, mm. you know, I don't, I, I think it's just going to be ease of use is, is that's where, I mean, I don't think any of the tools out there right now, I don't, I don't ever look and go, wow, we sure didn't have enough advanced analytics on this job. I, I normally would be like, well, we didn't do the basics, right? That's, that's my opinion, at least. Yeah. Oh, no, what do you right. think? I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I think, again, it comes back to the original point you made this like quality of the schedule is probably still a, a, a human intervention. It's not going to be something that machines are really going to pick up. Uh, particularly in the planning space where, you know, you're going to have to kind of extract sometimes aggressively <laughs> the information you need to decompose that scope and get, and get it lined up. Um, but we've had a few people on the podcast. We've talked to companies like NPlan. We've talked to Alice Technologies. We've talked to Innate about some of their products. And they all, they all seem to be talking about machine learning uh, in, that, in that scheduling and planning space. And I think it is like every other kind of invention or innovation is, is to help us kind of remove some of the low value transactional work and get us thinking on a higher plane. Is that, is that what, where would you like to see it go is my question, follow-up question. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can, I can definitely see that. I know you guys have been in a position to see a lot more of those tools than I have. I mean, have you had anything that's really blown you away? That's a great, that's a great question, Dale. Do you know what's blown you? Is there anything that's blown you away? Cause that's, yeah, so as Andrew says, we've been fortunate enough, you know, to follow up after podcasts with a number of guests on the show and, and have some demos. And um, I, I, from 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 what I've seen and heard, Alice is, seems really cool um, with what mm. their technology and what they've got. Um, Innate um, has a really really solid um, tool as well. And then what Endplan's trying to do as well with the database that they have sounds like it's got so much potential they've just got huge investment um as well so i think there's a lot of um and i think it's just the start of what we're doing mm. with machine learning and, and and the like but i think when you talk to a lot of the guests we have had from these various um software companies and they don't try and sell their tool what they're trying to sell is we've working on technology to help you know projects deliver better faster quicker more efficiently and be more informed it's all about complementing the current skill set, not necessarily yeah. replacing human beings. And I think that's what you're alluding to as well, Andrew, is that there's still going to be that human element. You're never going to replace a human. Um, but there's certainly, I think, a long way that we can go in the project space 
to harness some of the technology that has been developed out there. So that would be my answer, Val. Um, did you have yeah. a view? I'm, I'm, I'm not blown away, Andrew. Uh, but I'm, you know, my, it depends on your level of standard and acceptance. You know, if you're going to use words like AI, like I'm expecting like, you know, Will Smith and iRobot or whatever it's going to be like, I'm, I'm looking for something that's going to make me breakfast and pour my coffee and watch my kids when I'm out. That's, you know, the Jetsons. I grew up on the Jetsons. I think. Oh yeah. That was a great show. Super cool. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The the hair dryer and all that. Yeah, his car was in his suitcase. I remember that. You go into work, you just fold up into a suitcase, and he, oh man, that was so. so you haven't good. really seen that yet. I look, I haven't seen anything that would be, and I'm sure something's being developed. Um, I'm, I'm more interested actually. I think, I think where it is actually going is this, um, the cyborg route. So I don't, I don't think actually machines are going to be external for too long. I actually think we're going to start internalizing them, um, symbiotic kind of relationships where we, we plug in not just holding a phone, but the phone is part of us. It's it's in our bodies or it's in our brains or something like that. And then it just enhances our capabilities. So maybe Monte Carlo in the future, Andrew, oh is something you can run like <laughs> Dr. Strange. I hope, I hope I'm retired by then. <laughs> Could you imagine consulting then? Hang on a second. I'll just do this calculation for you. Boop, and, uh, boop, you're right. Boop, yeah. You have to have, as long as there's sound effects like that, Andrew, it works. You know, I do that anyway. Do... <laughs> I, I, yeah. I charge extra for that. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, I would too. Um, that goes on the report. Absolutely. <laughs> Audio card. Yeah. Extra beat. But uh, look, there. nothing really blows us away yet. I think, like they said, that there is a lot of interesting things. And shout out to Dan Patterson, um, Dimmy from from um, Malice, and then Dev and Toby from Nplan. If you want to do check out some interesting spaces, um, the other one I thought was really interesting was ThoughtSpot. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. But it's um, it basically it's more of a I think it's more of a reporting analytics tool. I'm not I'm not super familiar on it. I've, I've been introduced to it, but it you you basically talk to it and it self assembles the analytics. Now again, back to the point of it needs good data to rest on yeah. that. But um, it kind of self constructs what you need when you need it, um, and it can use audio tones and you know kind of that a Siri type arrangement. And I was like, yeah, now that that's pretty cool. Like. If if you and me, Andrew, were sitting in a client's office and you know they said, "Oh, show me show me scenario A, B, and C for for a project," uh, and the machine just did it, uh, and we've done that, we've done the you know we've done a good job of managing the the data quality. Uh, we could just like lean back in our chairs and go, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, you know? "Yeah, absolutely." <laughs> then we're just for the sound effects. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so the I think the work, the work of the phasing of the work comes upfront it's it's more of the planning the quality pipeline the data making sure that's all ready and then pressing the button um, a bit like a cement truck you know you're getting all the ingredients right and then let it stir it up but anyway, i want to i want to focus back on you because we could talk about future forever and um what would you what would you say are from your perspective the kind of the three biggest challenges projects are facing now probably pre and post covid obviously that's changed the variables as well what's your perspective on that I mean, if you like, why are projects failing? What are the biggest issues? I mean, I think a lot of it you lose up front, right? When you commit or you, you, you sell something too low or you commit to something that's just not achievable, you'll never get away from that initial number. So if you, if you bid a job at 100 million and it goes to 140, I don't care if they tell you to bid low or not, or nobody's going to remember that. It's, so I think your overly aggressive targets are probably one thing right up front probably bad change and bad risk management of both of those two. Because if, I mean, if risk, if you make sure none of the bad stuff happens and all the good stuff does happen and you make sure your change orders are in line, there's not too many places you can screw up unless you estimate the dang thing wrong. Mm. That's what I mean. That's, did I win? What'd I get? Yeah. Free pies. Uh, that was the, yeah. The $10 million answer. That's right. Uh, yeah. Estimates. Yeah. Well, tell me about estimates. Can you go into some detail? Why, why are estimates not working? Oh, in terms of just why they, they come back wrong? I mean, oh, you know, I mean, the, my, my favorite thing ever when I've done a Monte Carlo is like, oh, my God, I've never seen one of those that, that looked realistic before. Oh, my God, that's actually pretty good. We can't report that, though. No, we can't report that. <laughs> we'll get thrown off the job. Yeah. You know, people are – if if it's, it's not just, you know, like I, I've been on jobs where if you lose a, a bid – well, if, if the other bidder is not responsible and is a hundred million under, do you really want to win that bid from them? 
I don't think so. But, you know, there's so, there's so many things that go into it. I, I do see really bad change in risk management, though. I, do, I just don't, I mean, I, I think people just sweeping things under the rug or change management. I've just seen some people just don't, don't do it or don't know how or whatever they're doing, but they'll, you'll blow a job up quick that way too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll get in there. No, I agree. I agree. And sometimes the change management process is so cumbersome that actually ends up costing more than the change itself. (laughs) So we've all seen that. And we've, we've spoken before Val, about how sometimes, um, change control processes and we said it as project controls people actually hinder progress because it's so you know cumbersome but um i just want to comment on the sound effects i mean if we're in this ai world and we all sort of you know humanoids um do we have to create the sounds with our own mouths or is there a machine that does the sound effects (laughs) or one of each yeah beatboxing yeah Oh, there we go. Okay, so you could you could sing a tune. Anyway, we digress. We digress. I wanted to shift gears slightly, Andrew, um, just towards the end of the pod and talk about some of the charities that you are supporting, um, and how you're supporting them, why you're supporting them, your motivation behind it, and and ultimately who benefits from them. You know, so I, I've started to, so, I, you know, I kind of did, went into hiding and disappeared for a while after my health stuff, but uh, me and my ex have always, for a, a long time, we do a, um, she went through the Liberian Civil War, oh, wow. um, and, um, you know, I moved over to Europe, and she's out in Chicago, but she's been running this, and I'm telling you this stuff, uh, just that people, I, you know, we have kind of an angry society now, and, you know, I, I it's, it's sad to watch, but you, you, I, I watched probably about 15 years ago, what just the, the, the damage it does to you going through something like that. And then, and then start working with them. And we, uh, we build orphanages and, and help run them over in Liberia. Uh, and I think we're going to try and get a, a food bank going over there in the, in the near future. But, uh, you know, it's something I probably, unfortunately, when I got real sick, it was something that, uh, yeah, you know, just didn't have bandwidth. To, I almost didn't have bandwidth to live. But uh, you know that now that I've gotten healthy uh, or healthy as I'm going to get, it's something that's real important to me. And it's you know you, you you just look at the poverty and and the lack of clean drinking water and the food and stuff like that. And it's you know yeah. if, if somebody doesn't help the people, nobody will. You know, so that's very admirable. So. Um, is there a website or a link? Um... Yeah, there is. It's uh, I don't. Uh, it's join. BCCF, it's the Breaking Change Children's Foundation.com. Join BCCF.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just redid the website. Um, so, yeah, if, if people would check that out, uh, that would be, it's fantastic. But uh, uh, my friend Thinda, she does, uh, she's been doing this for the last 15 years or so. And like I said, she went through that civil war and she's, I mean, I think when she was working, uh, I, I can't, I'm not sure where she was working last. Half of her paycheck was going to, to put kids through orphanages and what have you. I mean, this, it's the type of thing where every, every penny goes to the kids that need it. So it really is an awesome organization. So wow, that's, a, wow. that's out of Chicago, like I said. Yeah, if there's anything we can do to help, uh, uh, do let us know. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for giving me a minute to, uh, to, to mention that. It's joinbccf.com. Thanks. No, thank you. And we will put that in the show notes as well. We'll put that link in. Um, oh, I really then, appreciate that. Yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, Andrew, this brings us on to the feature of our uh, episode. Uh-oh. And this feature is called Defend the Indefensible. Uh-oh. And this All is right. basically, and you've listened to some of our episodes, where we put our guest through, or we, uh, we give our guest a statement to defend right for 30 seconds and it's inspired by some of the ridiculous statements we've all heard through our careers and you have 30 seconds to argue for um this so you got to defend it right so the ridiculous statement is we don't need project management software tools you have 30 seconds and go I mean, I can I can get with you on we don't need the tools. I mean, if we just go back to that lying thing. Until we start telling the truth, we don't need something to make our just prettier lies. Is that all? Is that all I'm arguing for? <laughs> I, I, that, I mean, that's all I've got. But yeah, until you start telling the truth, 
I don't see any reason we, we need any more project management tools. We've got all that we need right now, except for mine. Mine are pretty good. I would take a look at those. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Andy. Thank <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thanks for being such a good sport. Um, it, it's just a bit of fun at the end just to, you know, see if we can find any contradiction. Um, and I think we did a little bit over there. But as we're heading towards the end of the podcast, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic having you on the show. I think this is one of the most um, personable ones we've had. And I really like that because it's been quite intimate. You've yeah. shared a lot. You've bared all. And I think it, it brings a real human side to what we do as project professionals that we have, you know, our own personal struggles, tribulations, but also triumphs as well. So thank you for your time. And I wonder, just heading into the end of the pod, do you have any final thoughts that you just want to leave the listeners, listeners with? No, I, you know what? I did really want to mention, though, that I, I really like your cartoon logo. I, I think whatever you guys did to do that, I really do like that. Thanks, Brilliant, thanks. We, we don't mind it either. Um, Val had a few issues with, did you have too many wrinkles or you weren't smiling or something, Val? I wasn't smiling enough and then I realized I don't actually smile that much. Um, but then... <laughs> I think, yeah, that's a very dapper photo of you. Yeah, yeah, I look very serious and, and, and a little bit more Spanish than usual. Um, and then they couldn't get Dale's tone of skin right. He was really, really brown. <laughs> like super brown. Super I had a really brown. good tan. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I like, live in the UK now. There's that. no sunshine. So yeah. I can't have that well, then, tan. I was like, no, nah, it's too brown. And I think I must have went back to them like four or five times. <laughs> And then they finally land on this. It's like, oh, okay, that's close. We're, get, we're getting there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's trying to, I guess, make this a little bit more fun. And, and you know, like in it. our spaces, people get too dry. So I'm glad you're, thanks for the compliment. We, we appreciate that. Absolutely. We do. we do. Thank you, Andrew. Val, any final thoughts? Look, Andrew, um, with everyone on this pod, we, we tend to make lifelong friends and keep connected. So can you please make sure you do that? Uh, I know you're across the pond, but we, you know, you never know what after COVID we might get over there and share a beer or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I always come out there and stay down by Gatwick anyway. So next time I come out there, I'll make you guys uh, go out somewhere. Hopefully we can do that whenever this happens. Yeah, so. absolutely. Val will have to make the trip as well because he's all the way. Down oh, that's right. You're, oh, we'll, we'll have to pack our bags and head down there. Yeah, it's sunnier, stuff, sunnier stuff. that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. It's a date. <laughs> it's a date. Awesome. It's a date. Andrew, just before we go, we have a pop quiz called oh, Tenor. Yeah. I love it. So quick fire, 10 questions and answers. Uh, if you can, single word answers. It shouldn't be too difficult because it is all about you. So are you? Oh, ready? no. Okay. <laughs> Hit me. Question one. What is your morning routine? Oh, I mean, I just get up, kind of have, maybe have a Coca-Cola or something, maybe coffee. That's about it. Question two, would you rather spend your day with people or technology? Oh, people. Question three, how do you deal with stress? Oh, man, I just get stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Or what is the best book you've been gifted? Oh, the best book? Oh, yeah, I, I, I can't. And I, can I pass on that one? I got gifted this funny book, but I don't, it's inappropriate. No, go for it. Oh, go for the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, oh, my go for what you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, did you ever watch that movie Superbad? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when, when the kid was drawing the pictures of the dicks all day, my sister got me the actual book uh, for Christmas. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know if I'm supposed to mention it on a podcast, but. Did it, did it, it come with me. the lunch? Did it come with the lunch? <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> so anyway. You can say whatever you want, Andrew. It's yeah. you. It's all you. Well, that was a great book. So, Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Question five. If you could choose to spend a day with anyone, past or present, who would it be and why? Oh, past or present? Anyone? Anyone. Oh, God. I'm trying to think like a chef or something. Yeah, I would. I'd, I'd have to look. But it'd be a chef of some sort. Wow. Bonus question. You like your, your food then? Your different cuisine. Uh, oh yeah, I'm just hungry right now. I should have oh. eaten beforehand. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> Question six. What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Hey, shut up. <laughs> my mom my, my mom gives me that all the time. Shut up. Just shut up. 
Shut up. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she didn't tell you to shut up for this podcast because <laughs> it's gold. Uh, question seven. What is the biggest mistake you've made on a project? Oh, you know, oh, that that's a tough one. I I, I think sometimes maybe when, when I, uh, if I make a really big mistake, it's maybe thinking you can influence something that you can't. You know, just going down, once you go down that wrong path where you're like, I think it'll be okay. Once it's not okay, but you already go down that path, that's an issue. So mi miscalculating, I guess. Awesome. Question number eight. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self? Oh, gosh. There wouldn't be enough time. I don't know. It's probably stop eating bugs or something at 10. I don't know. I was doing all sorts of stupid stuff back then. I would probably, yeah, I don't know. I would just say, just go for it. <laughs> stop eating bugs is very good yeah. advice for a 10 year old. So I, yeah, I'd take that. I Question would never listen. <laughs> Question nine, what profession other than your own would you like to have attempted? Oh man. I, you know I don't know something that probably works less hours. That's a, that's pretty much it. I mean, I like working, so you know, whatever. I'll take whatever other jobs you've got. Well, you know, if you want to stand in on the podcast and host it, Phil and I will take a break. Oh, <laughs> you know, you don't want that. We'll tank that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Question ten: If you had to spend a million dollars in a day, what would you spend it on? A million dollars on a day. Oh man, I'll just do a cop out on that. But I would, I would, if I had to spend it, it's like you Bruce's have to, million, you so have to like spend, spend, yeah, you have to spend it in a day. That's it. Oh, but we'll go. Uh, I mean, there's nothing I need for a million dollars. I would have to go to charity or something, or I'd have to buy something really obscene. It's like something that, you know, like I can't think of anything. A million bucks. I'm so used to living off peanuts. Awesome. Uh, let's charity that, Val, Val and, uh, Dale. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very noble indeed. Andrew Wickland, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute blast. Folks, mm. that is all we have time for on this episode, but it doesn't have to stop here. Support our charities and Andrew's charities, access blogs, or if you think you have something awesome to share, visit projectchatterpodcast.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe on our YouTube channel and your podcast player so you don't miss the next one. A big big thank you to our guest today, Mr. Andrew Wickland. And thank you all for listening. Till next time, we say stay safe, be disruptive and have fun doing it. From me and Val, it's bye for now. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.